Hi guys and welcome to Perspective and happy Black History Month. Today we have a very special guest, community and political activist, community organizer, American rapper, songwriter, recording artist, and businesswoman, Queen Blizzy. Thank you for having me, Trini, and thank you for having such a great platform thank you. for us to come on. You know, thank you. Good evening. I want to hop right in. Um, can you give us a quick background into um, your career and your startup and activism and everything that contributes to your perspective? Yes, definitely. Um, as far as my, my um, music career, I would say that that started at a very young age growing up in the household. Um, there was a lot of music around me. Um, I had a family member that was a, a DJ that went on tours with um, credible artists. Um, so I started writing at a very young age. Um, coming from Brooklyn, I did get to experience um, all of the, the earlier things, the block parties, the ciphers, the freestyles. So I would always, like around my projects where I was from, um, always do freestyles and then it turned into battles at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, did ciphers and credible studios. Um, I have a, a classic cipher that was hosted by Little Fame from MOP. So it was things like that that sharpened my skills as an artist. Um, as far as my activism, that also began at a very young age um, from seeing my mom do a lot of activist work when uh, she would be with the Nation of Islam and they would be organizing for the Million Man March and then the Million Family March and the Million Woman March and programs throughout the community. And uh, for myself, I personally um, became involved, boots on the ground, in the year of 2014. That was a very crucial year for me. And um, actually... Uh, I had just finished reading a set of Shakur book. And when I read the book, it was a real eye opener to see how uh, a, a black woman, she just, you know, got up and made things happen. You know, right. she went, she got up and did things in her community, had programs, and then she just fell into being an activist. So I was um, immediately inspired by that. And not long after I finished reading her book, something took place in my community where um, an 18-year-old girl who was actually a bandmate of my siblings was stabbed over 30 times in the community. Yeah. It wasn't a police brutality issue. It was a issue within the community, um, mm-hmm. which uh, leads to a bigger issue where a lot of um, mentally disturbed people are released from jail right. without the proper care. Right. So that, that was a, that's what that issue was. And... Um, being that I had read the book, and when this happened, I took some pages out of her book, mm-hmm. like literally with knowing how to organize, that opened my eyes to be able to do that. So I started to organize um, protests. We did murals. We did programs. Yeah. And then um, a couple of months later, in the same community of East New York, the police killed the Kai Gurley. Mm-hmm. In that same year, they killed Eric Garner on Staten Island. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I immediately became active in all of these dis- different issues. And um, leading into now, it, it grew into something else where now we have uh, programs and things of that nature um, to be preventive and not just always reactionary. 
Right. You know, so. Right. I think that's important being um, proactive in that situation where we don't want it to happen. Um, I often hear us say, we don't want it to happen again, but we didn't want it to happen in the first place. So figuring out what's going on in our present would help things for the future because we don't want, I don't want my grandchildren looking at my generation like, Y'all didn't see what was going on right here and where y'all could go wrong? It's too often where people wait until it happens to their family Mm -hmm. to become activated. And it's also on um, sometimes on the activist end where you wait until it happens to a family to work with that family. Right. You can actually work with people in the community that this hasn't happened to. Yeah, because it can happen to any of us, you know? And um, I just... Speaking of Eric Gardner, can you just tell me a little bit about the legacy Eric Gardner left behind foundation? I know you're, um, you work closely with it. Yes. Well, that, that is actually with doing that work is initially how, uh, me and, uh, Jew Miller met. Right. Um, so like I said, 2014 was a crazy year. So I'm from Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn, um, doing the work on the ground in the community and, the girl who was um, stabbed, even though she wasn't uh, stabbed in pink houses, she was a few blocks over. Right. She was from pink houses. And then it was a few months later where a police brutality issue happened in pink houses. Um, when this happened to uh, Eric Garner, I actually went to Staten Island. And in doing the work in um, protesting, I showed up to a couple of protests. I performed at a benefit event where um I had a popular song out um called The Killer Cops. Yes. Your Killer yes. Cops. Yes. So the original was put out in twenty fourteen in which they did write about it in the New York Times. They mentioned it um uh, with songs like um Alicia Key's song and mm. Uncle Murder song about police brutality. So that was definitely strong. And in doing that is where I met Jewel Miller, who at the time um, you know, she's the mother of Legacy Garner and um there wasn't uh much support for her and Legacy. Mm. Even though they have a powerful message, you know, um as far as uh behind that name, they have the most unapologetic and grassroots messaging. Mm-hmm. So that is how we began working together and we immediately started organizing events, um protests and then things to support legacy and then um we started to build on through the years where it we took it past um just doing it for legacy we doing it for legacy and other youth right you know and then even even before eric's name me uh other names exist, but we do understand that if this happens every day in America, mm. not every name is going to be big. So um, when the media does make a name big, um, it is in our interest to control that narrative mm-hmm. and make that name speak for all. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think that's something that I, I had that conversation with my peers during the summer in terms of... Um, George Floyd, because, you know, obviously we want to respect the family of of victims, you know, Um, but sometimes it's bigger than just one person because as a community, it happens to all of us. We're all connected to police brutality and 
racism against our people in some way, shape, or form. So um, even though it's a name that gets recognition, we know that it happens all the time. Um, and, and some people just don't get that um, that platform. And I think And I think it's beautiful that you guys are taking the name and making it something um, that can last for for generations and help so many more people and impact so many more so many more kids you know much more kids so I kind of want to talk about the generational gap in the black community I know um, we were discussing that a little earlier can you elaborate and share with um, our audience Yes, definitely. Um, It is in the best interest of the oppressors to cause division. And um, there's something called the Willie Lynch syndrome. And they used this during slavery. Yes, it's a very powerful book. The concept is a real thing, um, the theory of it. And um, putting the old against the young is is one of the oldest tricks in the book. And um, not only that, there are um, perils that are forced into our communities that often um, take family members, you know, parents. You know, we had the war on uh, drugs in the black community, took a lot of parents. And then you have the the school to prison pipeline. It takes Mm -hmm. a lot of children. So things like that cause generational gaps. And then for those who do have a a decent home structure, there's still generational gaps with um, the way that they manipulate the um, hip-hop industry, which hip-hop is a culture that was created for um, for and by black people, Mm -hmm. and the industries are not controlled by black people. So it is sort of a, oh, that's old, and this is what's new. And anyone with any intelligence, when you're new or old, you would respect um, both sides of it because as a, a new um, artist or a youth, you want to be respected by the next youth that comes up. So exactly. it only be, makes sense for you to respect those ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And then also on the other end, for the older crowd, um, you want for the culture to continue on. And and when you were a youth, you wanted that respect. So when people just put their common sense together, um, you know, with these issues, we'll definitely be in um, better shape. Um, I also don't want to just uh, shed too much of a negative light on us. You know, I, I do understand yeah. that we have a lot of a trauma that we've been through and we have achieved a lot of greatness. So I like to keep it down the middle, you know, with yeah. congratulating the black community but we also have obligations to ourselves to be great. So we do want to point out what can be better. And yeah. that's definitely one area that can be better. Um, as far as the youth is concerned, I would say it is in your best interest to pay attention to those that have been around the block. Right. Um, don't look at people and, and say, oh, you, you know, you, you're not successful. You never did that. So why should I listen to you? Mm. Someone can be giving you twos on how not to based off of yeah. based off of um experience because mm-hmm. they bank on it that this is the reason why they want that disconnect so that the information is not able to be passed on okay. where in other cultures 
they are able to do that no matter what level of success they're on. So I just want, you know, people to pay attention to that. And then for the older ones, um, being that we know what we're up against, uh-huh. you may want to strategically lace your messages. Um, like what we do with our youth chapter programs, and we're, we're happy to have you as a youth leader. Yes, and uh, we like you guys to always have input. But we, especially with this year with Black History Month, um, we want to... We wanted to um, make a connection with the youth instead of just throwing um, a project at you guys to say, just do this because it's Black History Month. So we actually gave you guys people that um, we felt you can connect with and you have a similarity so you can see what was done in the past and what you're doing in the present and what you would like it to be in the future. Right, right. And that's how we're working to bridge that gap specifically in this powerful month. Mm, right. So, oh my gosh, you brought up so many amazing like subtopics. I want to first say um in regards of, you know, keeping it positive and get, and patting ourselves on the back, um I think we should do that more and I think that um that's why um I have this podcast because I think it's important to bridge the gap between the old and the young, the black and the white, and everything in between because um, when we when we sit down and talk to each other and really see where we come from, where we're coming from, if, if you have the background on somebody and you know the way they act the way they act and they, you know, all of that, you can really understand people better. And I think that's what could really help us come together. Speaking of understanding people, um, you brought up Billy Lynch earlier. I really... Um, suggest that um everybody read um it's a very long and heartbreaking uh you know book and and i read some of it i couldn't get through all of it because it is very heartbreaking so if you if you're very sensitive to um racism uh and the history of how it began in america I don't suggest the book, but if you can, if you think you can handle it, I really think that you should read it. And it really opens up and answers why we're in the position that we're in today. It's not a coincidence that 400 years later, we're still being oppressed and there's still systems against us. And it was made for this reason. Um, That despicable man (laughs) said in his writing that he he built this system so that it would last generation to generation and it would affect us um for years to come and i think that that's something that we should all um acknowledge and i think um one of the first steps is acknowledging the problem and and learning the history so i guess uh for black history i think that's something that everybody should learn also on that topic of of Willie Lynch what mm-hmm. we can acknowledge is that um these people are very intelligent and very strategic. Right. And if you can study just that Willie Lynch um, method, you can imagine what other methods they have mm. and that they are going to come up with. Right. So this lets you know what you're up against. And people always say, what's the answer? What's the answer? Yeah. The, the answer is to counteract that with a, a equally a more powerful force. Right. And so you have to be intelligent and you have to be just as strategic. So when I was speaking on the elders and the youth and the generational gaps, right. um, we have to have strategy when approaching these issues. Mm-hmm. 
And we want to have strategies that are going to be effective for years to come. And that's why, um, like we gave for Black History Month, we have um, certain of our youth, the the gifts that they're getting uh, is is to celebrate their blackness, but it is also some some of it to be instrumental to them in their future. Um, Like uh, we gave one of our uh, youth chapter girls, a young girl too, um, she has um, Henrietta Lacks, Mm. who... uh, you know, the, the the doctors and the scientists used her cells to to uh yes. to study and, and come up with things for like cancer and other diseases mm-hmm. which uh, wasn't very helpful to her or her family and they didn't no. have consent to use it. But we might even have youth that will be getting into these fields. But when you get into these fields, you know, you don't have to be that angry black woman or that angry black man. What you need to be is that intelligent and strategic black wom- woman and man. So we, we want to uh, let them know things like this. So when they go into these industries, um, they know what they are amongst and that they will make decisions that are best for themselves, their, their people and their community. Right. And I want to add, um, if you see a, a black brother or sister upset and angry, um, don't take their passion and their hurt for um, what their their pain as and spin it negatively. Because to be honest, um, I think this was one of my other topics that I wanted to cover um, today. But the generational trauma that black people have to go through in America is overwhelming. Uh, and you can even forget about for, take first take step put aside the fact that um we have generational trauma from slavery and and all of the other civil injustices but let's just take what we're going through presently with police brutality and black young boys and girls having to see people who look like them or their parents or their uncles or their sisters or their cousins etc on the TV screen who look like them and and how do you explain that to a child? How do you explain to a a little boy who wants to be a police officer that that's something that you aspire to be, but you're you're scared of that, you know? So I think that's one of the things that we really need to um, talk about, right? And um, yeah, I wanted to also I also wanted to say because earlier you just brought up um, as a as an educator teaching your students about people who that can actually connect to them. And I want to, you know, challenge different educators. um, When we're teaching about um, black history, that our only history is not about civil unrest. Um, As black students, that doesn't warm our hearts to hear about how hard we had to fight for justice and we still don't have it. And not only that, it, it creates that, false um, stereotype and, and idea that we're only good for fighting for our freedom, which we're very good at that, but we're also good at creating new technology and creative and fresh ideas. And so I think it's important that um, as black students, we don't keep learning about the same five pioneers, not that they're important, but Rosa Parks is amazing, but can we learn about the first to ever do it and why she didn't get the same recognition. I feel bad that I don't remember her name. Um, do you remember? 
Hmm, no, but the, she was the, fourteen. I think it's Colette. The, 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 thing, um, the thing is that it wasn't just one or two. No, it was, was it was multiple. Too, too many. You have to think that um, this is what goes on right now. When you see the news right, right now and the activists that you see on the news, they they're not always the ones who have their boots on the ground twenty four seven. Those are the ones that are mostly commercialized, uh, commercialized, and um, their messaging, their messages is. Uh, watered down because of who they get their funding from right um, right also um which you you uh, made a good point of a lot of our history is about us fighting for our freedom and fighting for justice our lives and our history has been um interrupted for hundreds of years mm. and 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 i don't think that's anything to be apologetic no i know that's not anything to be apologetic about they're sitting there um interrupting a whole culture and not just america right. i mean they're abroad this is taking place in all countries that exactly. you know black people all across the world right. they're just interrupting our history our present and our future mm-hmm. and and a point that i've been bringing up now is um um ptsd yes when people go to war they now um are acknowledging that ptsd can be passed down um through genetics um Mm -hmm. can be hereditary so if you've been to war and you're shell shocked you you can potentially pass that down to your children Mm. now we've been uh shell shocked since since slavery and then you have um then then you have uh segregation jim Mm -hmm. crow then you have modern day slavery here what we're going through and then uh uh, police brutality. So why isn't that being taken into consideration? Anything that is taken into um, consideration for them as humans, mm-hmm. we're not getting the same uh, respect. Right. And, you know, I do like where our conversations and our building as a people has been going. But I, I do think that the day has to come where everyone just says enough is enough because us continuing on our daily routine is keeping their world going around. Right. You know, we're still building America we every are. day. We are rebuilding. So at what point do we not build it anymore and say, and say no, I'm not building this for you to live um, how you want to live peacefully. And once we build this, we're still living uncomfortable. Right. That's unacceptable. Right. So if we all say no, then what? No one has ever really considered that um you know, as a whole, we haven't considered that. But, you know, something drastic like that um, will need to take place. Every time we've made tremendous progress in history, it's because people got up. And as a majority, we said, no, th- yeah. this is enough. Yeah. And uh, that is the point where we need to um, get immediately. Right, and I think that our next steps, not only is it important that we organize, but it's important that we um, put ourselves in the rooms where laws are signed and decisions are made, and this is why. Because we come together, we make a revelation and, and breakthroughs, and we take one step forward, but two steps back because they bring something to counteract that. They bring in the, the war on drugs, and they bring in well. mm-hmm. everything. And then now... We're in a position again where we have something else to fight for. But that's the thing where you keep trying to fight out of the belly of the beast. Yeah. So so how are you going to beat somebody at a game that they created? 
Um, and I think that this seems very hard of a task for us to just establish something for ourselves as a whole. But logically, that is the only thing that will make sense because as long as we're fighting them in their own game, their own justice system that they created, they've been changing rules and manipulating them forever. Right. And and they don't show any signs of stopping that. So are we just going to have the same repetitive thing going on yeah. for another hundred years? Right. Yes. Yeah. So like, what's the solution? And I, I wanted to ask, um, in terms of activism, what are your thoughts on um, defund the police? Because, you know, after um, Black Lives Matter, um, first of all, I want to say Black Lives Matter is not anything new to my peers. I want to I want to say that to my um peers really quick um a lot of i think because of tiktok and because of how fast um that message spread um throughout the summer um a lot of you my peers nice yeah a lot of my peers thought hey it's this new trend or hey i have something cute to change my profile picture to and i can post a black screen on a random tuesday and say hey i'm for the people and while that is cute for solidarity it doesn't it doesn't do anything and i want to say that black lives matter isn't anything new um black kids were exposed to that when we were children we were probably like eight i think that's when i first heard about everything i was eight and we're impressionable and we're young and we don't know what's going on all we see is racism right and um, I don't blame anyone for not knowing what it is, but I think that at this point now, we have the resources to get educated um, and learn where did it start and know that Black Lives Matter isn't the only organization fighting for black causes, right? So um, back to my original point, um, defund the police was something that uh, I don't really know where it came from. It, it just started, it was something that was being... Um, um, chanted at different marches and protests and then it caught on with um, right-wing conservatives and they got really upset and I think even within our own community um, and people who support Black Lives Matter it's been a turnoff hey I don't want to defund the police which I, c I understand I have family and law enforcement I understand that and a big question is what is the that going to do? The department has been having issues for so many years, and, mm -hmm. and you are for black liberation, and I don't see why um, you would think that we need it. You know, um, I do understand people may be afraid of how accountability will be held right. in the black community, um, but that that's probably just an issue that we have to be willing to deal with when we get there and hold ourselves responsible by... Um, the way we're raising our youth and the way we're uh, holding our community uh, responsible. I just seen a video earlier, um, a very well-respected guy from my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I guess you can consider him a gangster. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a, a black guy in Brownsville. He had his pants down mm -hmm. and he was uh, doing something inappropriate with his um, private parts okay. outside. Mm -hmm. So he beat the guy up pants still down and everything you know he recorded it to show that when you do this type of um because there's children outside too wow. 
you, you're doing something like that, and you, you're likely a, a pedophile. Um, that you're gonna hold, you're gonna be held responsible right. by the community. Right. And it was actually somebody from the community that had a problem with that. Like, what are you doing? And he explained what was going on. I mean, the guy pants was still down, you know. But this is what is needed because if we're we're having issues with the police department, you shouldn't have to call them in. You you can call the police to come help you, and somehow you're you're the one who end up being uh killed. Yeah, um, for example, a nine-year-old little girl, a nine-year-old girl who is facing her own problems and wants to kill herself. I think the bigger question is why does a nine-year-old want to commit suicide? Why does a mm-hmm. nine-year-old think her life isn't worth living? Yeah. And putting force on a nine-year-old child, it's not going to work, especially a nine-year-old child who obviously is having a mental breakdown mm-hmm. and mental issues. You don't pepper spray a child who's no, no, already yeah. detained, mm-hmm. first of all. You already have handcuffs on a nine-year-old girl who already wants to hurt herself, which is traumatizing in itself. Yeah. Being behind then she, the parents should have someone to call for that. Like, right. that's other than we, them. Exactly. And I think that's where defund the police come from. Why are we paying police to do things that they're not yeah. properly Put those funds on? back into the community. Exactly. And that's the issue all along, that, that when you go into white neighborhoods... Um, their communities are not defunded. Exactly. And it is the are. black communities that are defunded. So if you know that the importance of funding that community is so that it can be functional. Mm-hmm. So you're defunding our communities so that it won't be functional. Exactly. And then you send police in to agitate the situation and to abuse people. Yeah. It's, and it's on purpose. And we don't have a good relationship with police officers. And I think that... No, even, they don't have good relationships with us. It is your job. Lack of trust. It is your job. Yeah. To come in there, so when you, when you are when you have customer service, you don't say, the customers do not have um, a good relationship with the mm. person providing customer service. No, right. that person that is providing customer service is not doing a good job. Right, and I want to know why is it that people hairdressers take more time in training than police officers do, and and police officers are the people who are essentially deciding life or death when they have a weapon. I don't weapon. think training is an issue because they're, they're, they're trained just fine to work the white communities. Mm. So it's not a training issue. Yeah. I, I've said this It's before. a racist issue. People want to yeah. make all kind of excuses for it, and it's simple. They're, yeah. it's, it's racist. But, but we can't... So here's the thing when we say it, it's like racism. I think that we can't read every cop's mind, and I... I at this point, it's safe know. to assume it's more of them that is racist that than not. So when it's life or death, and and it is most likely our mm-hmm. life that is at stake, you are racist whether you are the one that is actually committing the racist act or you're the one that's going along with the racist act. You know what's going on, okay. so you're still a part of that. So this is, I guess, where ACAB comes along. I know that was something that was also um, a big deal and a turnoff for many people who were, um, I guess, debating on supporting black lives, which is idiotic to me. But that was one of their turnoffs. That you, you guys are saying, ACAB, you're saying all cops are bad, all cops are bastards. Then just leave it alone if it's not for you. You got Martin and you got Malcolm. If you don't like somebody's fight, then you don't have to say nothing about it. And that's mm. a part of Willie Lynch as well. Right. Who's going to be the 
rebellious Negroes, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. quote unquote, you right. know, that's what, that's what they call us. And who's going to be the passive Negroes? Yeah. But you both are getting the same results. Right. So you sit, you taking time to fight about that, and it's not solving anything. There's plenty of people who um, are passive, and I don't, I don't agree with their messaging. But I'm not going to take my time to talk about that. Yeah. If that is That's what you way. think mm-hmm. it, it takes, then you go ahead and do that. And if this is what I think it takes, and you don't agree, then just don't say nothing. Yeah. There's, there's other things you can be talking about that's way worse. Like, stick to the topic. And that is the point. You don't have enough strategy. Right. You don't see uh, white supremacists fighting over how they're going to mm-hmm. implement the Willie Lynch syndrome. Right. And I think that... They have different ways. And everybody's just doing their thing. And they do their thing. And I think that, overall, this is this is a problem when I say... There needs to be something, there needs to be a system, and a system that is working, and a system that is functional, func- how do you say it? Functional. Yeah. Um, in terms of results, because it's one thing to put something on paper, and then there's another thing to execute it, because there's laws written in the Constitution right now that don't really get used, or get used only when it's in terms of a black person, and they're trying to find anything to put us in jail for, but that's another topic for another time. And I just brought that up to say um, we're at a real crossroads and we know how to fix the situation, but then like executing that how is, is getting hard. Yeah, because once you once you figure out how to fix that particular situation, they create a different one. Right. And then you're right. spending another 10 years trying to figure out that. So yeah. I think that the, the thing is you have to just stay on what you can control. And that is building a strong community until we are to get to a point where we want to make all of that obsolete or we have a plan of something that we can have from scratch. Right. And I think that... Because um, all of this is time consuming. It is. People spend their whole lives. I mean, you know, you have to you have to uh, time manage yourself. Where yeah. if you're going to do some of that fight, what you're going to contribute to it. Yeah. And then you also have to strategize and put time into things that are going to be long-term. Exactly. I think that back to um, the whole cop thing, um, there's racist people in every position. There's racist um, teachers. There's racist cops. There's there's racism um, within people in powerful yeah. positions. And the question is, how can we systematically... And when um, we mention this word them. racism, I don't think that's a word, we want to be clear. Yeah. When we're when we're saying racism, we're not talking about somebody just not liking somebody. Exactly. That would be your business if you don't like somebody. So don't don't even tell us that black people are racist. Yeah. We have the right to not like someone, especially if they've been disrespecting us historically. Yeah, or that is that person's or, that yeah. is that person's business. Yeah. So don't don't try to shame that. When we say racism, we're talking about uh white Systems. supremacists who are holding back a group of people right. from seceding. Right. Manipulating them for their own use. Exactly. That is to be very clear. So don't, you know, oh, what there's black people that can be racist. No. Right. That's not the conversation. That's the problem. They always want to get off topic. Right. Stay on topic. Right. What we're talking about, and no matter what anybody chooses to do in their particular fight, mm-hmm. the topic should always remain that white supremacy 
on all scales, forms, and industries needs to be abolished. Right. And I think that, yeah, and that's the that's the hard part. Because, I first of all, um, to say, I, I know I, say, I think I probably said this before, but I've learned recently that racism in itself is a system. That's the definition. And so saying systemic racism is kind of a backwards term, but um, I guess I'm so used to saying it. But yeah, again, racism in itself is a system, right? And I think... Um, we we need to know that. So when somebody calls I think you a they racist, they call it systematic because then they start to acknowledge how the it exists. Sis- right. Okay. In all, so it, it exists in the educational system. It mm, exists okay. in the medical field. Right. Um. Obviously, in the government. You know, in the banks. Um. If you really want to talk about it, a lot of these banks, um, were were grown and founded directly off the backs of, of. Uh, what you would call slaves. Free labor. Um, the free labor, you know, you have people walking around that owe us. And they were able to accumulate generational wealth right. off of our ancestors' work. Yeah. So that is our generational wealth. Yeah, and also, um, to people who say, how is it generational wealth there's poor white people? Or how is it generational wealth when there's black people who succeed? Firstly, um, those are... Those are people. Don't ju- don't say just work hard because there's there's so many black people who work so hard. But and it's already designed that everybody cannot make it. Yeah, and there's there's different problems coming at us in so many different angles, and that's why we need to we work create in, our we work own a hundred times harder. A hundred times harder, which means our success is that much greater because of look at all. And that's this is just racism. This isn't even the normal things in life that every race goes through. This isn't even the fundamental highs and lows of living, right? This is just one aspect of of life. And I think that um, the trauma and the the issues and the grief and pain that black people are born into is of a different caliber. Even rich, even black people who are born into into um, rich homes and, and into privilege and wealth, we're still at a disadvantage. Still, they they find. I know I have friends who grow up in wealthy communities and and surrounded by other rich kids, but there's still a disconnect because they're black first, you know. And and that's the that's the sad part. They always try to make an excuse and tell us, well, if you were just this, then. Maybe you wouldn't have to go because through they, that. Because they understand that what the you know is strategy. Right. So they understand that if you don't give any, that will cause too much of a rebellion. Mm. Um, yeah. That that's the type of ingredients that 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 um makes a a large amount of rebels. So right. as long as we see somebody making it, that gives it hope that if you be good, mm-hmm. you too might make it too. Right. So, that's the reason for having a small percentage of of um allowing black people in. But if they want to be realistic, if everybody did the same workload, would everybody still be um yeah. fortunate enough to have the same success? Nope. No, that's that's when it, the oppression um gets a little bit more intense. Right. Um. Right. Anytime we're super seceding. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I just want to, yeah. And um, lastly, I want to ask, because I've, I've noticed that when there are people who fall victim to um, not only police violence, but any sort of racism, um, we never ask, we never ask the question, how are we going to support these families? Because, and how are we going to support black kids as a whole? Every, every single black child is going through some sort of trauma that, that they can't be kids. We can't be kids for nothing. Like our childhoods are stripped from us. You can't be outside us. just playing with a toy gun. I, I Meanwhile, have, yes. children in white neighborhoods, they're, they're fine guns. to play with real guns. Real guns. And, and miss me with the fact of there's gun violence because I believe there may be more gun violence over in the white communities. I mean, how many uh, white children have to shoot up a school mm. or white men shoot up a Walmart or movie theater mm. and they're never stereotyped? Exactly. Meanwhile, like, um, if a black youth has on a hoodie, there's a stereotype that he's um, involved in some type of gang or gun violence. If yeah. if, uh, if a Muslim uh, person has a large looking uh object or bag it is is um yes even though it's uh allegations that they did 911 yeah. they're stereotyped for that well everyone can get stereotyped but you never see white people stereotyped yeah and to be honest if they want to mention um you know gang violence in black communities and everything <clears throat> first of all as a majority of black people in those type of neighborhoods and they'll tell you that they they feel safer um near a gang than on a street corner than they do near a group of white men or a group of it's, white it's people more likely, that's my truth at least it's more likely that a person is going to be brought to justice yeah when that type of crime is committed yeah. and it is very unlikely yeah that any law officials are going yes. to be brought to justice and the when evidence they will be the right act. in their face right in their face and i just want to add earlier you spoke about like the gun i remember my little brother and i we were about to go outside and walk the dog and um he was playing with this like little toy weird gun thing my mom doesn't like him playing with toy guns in the first place but he had this one somehow he's like hey can i bring it outside and i'm like okay sure and we're walking outside i'm like hold up we have to go back i'm so sorry but you can't bring that outside. We live in a predominantly white community, and I don't care if it's a lime green gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm gonna do my best and prevent any sort of thing like that from happening. And um, it it also struck me a little bit harder because when I started to after I took him back outside, and I'm like just he's holding the dog, and I'm watching him. I just started thinking about um, Tamir Rice, and I'm like. His sister was my age when, and she was with her brother when that happened to him. But nobody, nobody talks about that. What about the trauma that she has to go through, and then the trauma that her kids will face, and then every kid in that community who knew him, and then every little boy who even looked like him, or just like it just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. And I think the support, yeah. like the support, like for his sister and stuff like that, it's just. You know, we have a wedge in between with these. Um, it, it is in their best interest to get a hold on uh, activists, 
right. and um, get them to uh, manipulate and have watered down messages. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, those are the type of people that um, are afforded to be able to travel and, and meet with these family members um, first. And these are usually people that are not paying attention to right. what's going on. Or don't and, care. And, that, and that's why, no, I'm saying the victims oh, yeah, yeah. and their families. Yeah. This is why I say don't wait till it happens to your family. Because mm-hmm. then when it does, you don't have any idea what's going on. Exactly. You, don't, you don't know, exactly. the, you know what, what is the proper way. You don't really understand what happened to the previous families and, and how their messages was diluted. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. where it all gets um, pretty much lost in the sauce. And, you know, they don't really stick with grassroots activists and then they end up um getting a settlement and not getting any justice where the actual person that committed the murder goes to jail yeah so you get your tv activists and your tv Mm -hmm. lawyers they get first dibs yeah because they get the bag they get the money from the politicians. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, and the police yeah. department. Mm-hmm. Where one of one of our long time and our community long time activists. Mm-hmm. He uh was was uh, previously a informant. Yep, I know exactly who you're So about. if you're an informant, that means you worked with the police department. Yeah. And that is something that is continuous when you're an informant. So how is it that you made a career off of fighting police brutality? Um, you don't have any success in that area. I think yeah. there's one case where some cops spent a little bit of time in jail. But other than that, with like a 50-year career, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's nothing. Yeah, and these so are the people times. that are first uh, lined up first to approach the families. Um, yeah. I do think that there does need to be amount of care that the uh, families receive. But also being okay. preventive. People need to pay attention and educate themselves mm-hmm. on what is going on, even if it's not happening to your family. You know, yeah. this is a random thing. This is not only happening to yeah. this type of people's families. No, you have to educate yourself. Exactly. Um, also, the movement gets a little uh, wavered in messaging through these family members because they are being contacted by these uh, yeah. paid activists. So yeah. they try to use them as a voice of the movement. Um, I believe they should get support, but they shouldn't be an automatic leader. Um, if you weren't a leader prior to the incident, I don't believe that these incidents will automatically turn you into a leader. Yeah, it won't. You know, you can speak and join but yeah. you should not be a leader. Yeah. And and in the, my early um, uh, activist roles, I had to learn that the hard way with how to deal with uh, family members. Because the thing is that the community is out crying, mm-hmm. not because this is your family member. The family, uh, the, the, the people is out crying because this could have been anybody's family member. Exactly. That is what everybody's common interest is so while we will support the families the families need to also understand that their family member represents many exactly and um that is a a concept that um is implemented into the grassroots movement it's definitely here in new york 
but um it is it is not the easiest task and that is a relationship that needs to be uh, more built on yeah thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and everything that you've learned over the years and um i think this is a, a really important episode um i encourage everybody to support the um the foundation um the yeah. Legacy Eric Gardner Left Behind Foundation. Mm-hmm. It's a very important foundation. And other grassroots... Um, yes, which I would like yeah. to um, mention them. Um, yes, uh, we do have the Legacy Eric Gardner Left Behind. And mm-hmm. then we branched it off and created a youth chapter, specifically for our youth. But as I stated, you know, Jewel and I, we've been doing community work prior to... Um, separately before we even met prior to the murder of Eric Garner. So we also um, made it a a thing to have our own name, uh, which is Black Gems for Black Liberation. Mm -hmm. So because we do so much work, even outside of um, fighting for justice and uh, liberation behind Eric Garner's name. So we have the legacy Eric Garner left behind. We have the legacy youth chapter, yep. and then we have Black Gems for Black Liberation. Now we also have um, organizations that we've been working with for years that we like to, um, well, really we'll say a uh, why accountability. We like to show them some love and support, and for you to go check them out. Um, over the summer, I believe, right? Was it the summer? I know it spent a lot of time last year with you connected with 100 sisters and mm, I heard of that. they are very powerful. You know, they, they're definitely an organization. We're very grassroots and unapologetic. So that's another organization that we respect. Yeah. That, thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's really important that we take the opportunities to support, um, support things that are, that aren't in it for the money and just simply in it for helping us um, reach some sort of true freedom because we might not have literal shackles on our feet and hands anymore, but we are tied down. And this is how this is how we fight that and combat that. And it won't happen overnight, but it, there is change. And I just want to thank point, you so much for at coming. At this point, this has been more than overnight. So if yeah. it was tomorrow, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I actually think it should be tonight. <laughs> I agree, like, like, yeah. I, 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 Definitely. Know, freedom, it should just be tonight. Yeah, you know, it shouldn't be something that we have to ask for. We don't for. have another 500 years. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, how climate many, change. How many people have started fighting for this and they're long gone? Exactly. Exactly. Or they've and, been and assassinated. They would have been here. Their lives to it. Yeah. That's not okay. And this is another reason why I feel like it's very important for our youth in Black History Month to honor great black people because some of them gave their lives just for a simple thing like you you to be able to ride anywhere on the bus. Yeah, for me to have friends, for me to even be friends with my white friends or with my Asian friends or Latino friends, um, etc., that wouldn't be that wouldn't be the case. It, we could have been friends, but not without shame, with, without being attacked for it. You know, like that it might be unnatural yeah. anyway. Because the, the the point of the matter is that we're saying like, what if we probably wouldn't even been here if if they hadn't 
you know, manipulated and, and, and caused slavery, you would have been off in your own country. You know, you see Chinese people, they have China. Yeah. You know, they have a Chinese family. They have Chinese friends when you go to China. You know, it's predominantly Chinese. Yeah, sure. We're living in a melting pot. This is this is an unnatural habitat for us. We We most likely would have been in a country where... There's mostly predominantly black people. You have a black uh, family and a, and a black friends. Now, if you're international, you may travel and meet people. But it's a lot of what ifs. We have no idea. Right. And I think that although that's the way that we've, we're here today is um, through a lot of pain and suffering and suffrage from both native people who are native to this land and people who are brought here unwillingly, um, or at least not to be slaves, I think that, um, I think it is some sort of um, privilege and, and it's, it's mind, to be... It's mind trickery. You shouldn't have to fight for something that, no. that you probably wouldn't even had in the first place. It's like when you antagonize someone and you manipulate them, you mm-hmm. cause them, you pick a fight that they might have never really been fighting about, you know? It's like when you tell someone that they can't have it, even if they wasn't thinking about having it, yeah. that makes them think that, well, we're, I'm going to fight you on that. I want to have that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like a mind game. And I think that we need to stop being uh, consumed with that and focused on healing and restoring our culture. And then we can think about other relationships. I don't know. I just I believe that one of the main reasons why we are here today is because people in different communities hopped on our on our going to be here today on our fight. We was going to be here today whether they hopped on it or not. I think I think that I think that it helped. They helped with what? If we have the same results, this is the thing with being unapologetic. You don't stop and thank people for doing something that should have. Never Bare minimum. taking place in the first place. You're, right. you're, no matter what a white person says, you benefit in some way from the system of white supremacy. So we don't stop and say thank you that for, is true. for fighting white supremacy or saying that you fought it. Because then what did you really do? You just said that you supported, but what did you do that was supportive? Oh, yeah. What did you give up? Yeah, but I'm talking about um, people who are actively fighting how? for... Because they showed up to a protest? No, I mean... Did they I give mean, over an inheritance? Or their families' um, uh, ancestry benefited from our ancestors? Yes, yes, and we are can't change that. Yes, we can. We can't take yes, back the can. past. Yes, no, but they can give it up. What are they willing to offer? They're willing to do things that's going to make them comfortable. What are they willing to do that's going to make them uncomfortable? Are you willing to give up your inheritance if you found out that that's a fair question? Off, yeah. It came off the backs of slaves. Yeah, well, which is pretty much everything in America. Are in you willing place. to do that though? Because I think that a lot of no, white people, they're not. I think that a lot of white people they talk and we stop and we praise them. We don't do that in our movement. If you're going to help, you're going to do it silently, because you know why? It'll take away from you the message. I agree. You don't need to be applauded. Because necessarily you're not really for doing anything that's 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 it's for not the bare enough. minimum it's not enough you you benefited so much that that is not enough because if it was enough we would be at the promised land so my question is if it's so many white people supporting 
this movement, if you're really about this movement, we need our reparations. We need to be on our feet. We need what you owe us for the labor of our ancestors. Are you, if you say you're for this movement, are you willing to give up your generational wealth once you're able to do the research and find out that it came off the backs of the slaves? I think they're willing to fight just enough that it doesn't really affect them and their family and how they have to live. I agree. I agree. And, and so we can't be pacified with the bare minimum. We're not, but we can't acknowledge that. You don't have to stop and acknowledge that. It's not enough. I, I you're, can, you're acknowledging personally. The, you're acknowledging the, the children of your oppressors for doing the bare minimum. That's, that's wasting time. They have to step it up. If you want them to be a part of it, make them do the real work. I it's think that enough. we're here because of partnerships and um, whether or not... When you say we're here, we, uh, where is that? We're not segregated anymore. And I know that Abraham Lincoln quote-unquote freed the slaves and oh everybody thought it was a it was because it he came from good heart but he didn't he came for never, himself that's the thing where you get tricked with a conversation the segregation itself wasn't the issue the issue is not black people living amongst black people and white people i agree amongst white yeah. people the issue was you were using our labor right. to fund your community and right. you're defunding ours. Right. So it wasn't a segregation. Yeah, I so, agree. I think that so that when was you a... Say we don't uh, have segregate. When I say, what do we get? And you say we don't have segregation. That's not good enough. What we really needed was our communities to be refunded from our labor. And we still don't have that. Every time we keep coming up short because of um, apologetic things like this. Every time we fight, we stop and praise white people that are doing the bare minimum. I don't and, think we're praising. Uh, no, I don't, I'm not, at least, praising anybody. I think that a lot of that for, goes on. I won't say thank you for, to, to anybody white that's supporting anything um, until I see something that is really game-changing. Well, like, that would have to come dead. from somebody from a, a powerful position. Hence, a president, which is something that we don't well, have. Yeah, I think so. It doesn't have to go that far back because presidents is not the only ones that have governors, to governors, or people in in positions of power. It, people it, who it are could simply be your average um, white kid whose family has money. Yeah. Research that if they've had money in their family for generations, where did the old money come from? My grandmother came from the south. Right. Where her family ended up sharecropping. Same. Her last name was Smith. The white people who owned that house and the farm, last name was Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They still exist. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever was living there um, and, and was owning these these uh, black people that was doing sharecroppers, they have children. Right. Where are they children? And, and if they children say Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. are you willing to give that house back over that... People sharecropped, and before that, they was picking cotton. Are you willing to give that up because it was wrong and it wasn't really yours? Who built it? The money that you were supposed to give them when slavery was over, but all you did was offer them to do the same labor to live there, to eat and sleep. I think right now... That's not a government. Where I'm at... No, but I think that... Going to every single white person who has some type of power or privilege, then no, we would be wasting our them. time. No, you wouldn't go to them. This is something that if they want to come to us, 
They should have things that are great and powerful like this on the table. They should know that. Like, if you wanted to date a girl and you just gave her a rose, mm -hmm. that's not enough for her to want to take you, court you, and, and, and marry you. You have to step up, right? You got to show something. So what I'm saying is that we, we shouldn't waste our time worrying about what they're doing at all. But if they come to the table and say, we want to help, we shouldn't expect or, or accept anything less than something great. The bare minimum... We shouldn't stop and praise that. No, like I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna praise somebody. Okay, guys, we got disconnected, but I just want to thank um, Queen Blizzy for hopping on perspective and sharing your perspective with us, and um, you know, challenging me and challenging um, all of our audience to really, um, you know, think about what's going on and see if you really want to fight um, because. Um, I just want to say, not everybody who is um, an advocate for um, black, not just Black Lives Matter, but any type of um, freedom for black people, yeah. they're not going to always say congratulations, kudos to you. They're not, no, not everybody's like me. No, I just want to say that. Impressive? Yeah. The white people that helped on the Underground Railroad. Yeah, that's but like, impressive. yeah, but that's what I mean. Like that's people like action. that. That's not caring and sentiment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but people who actually—that's what I'm saying. That, that's somebody who actually cares. Jane Elliott. That's somebody who genuinely it. cares because they showed it. That's what I'm talking about. Not just people with background they saying, their "Hey, in their lives, right?" And their that's freedom. Showing it. Yeah, yeah. That's the people that I mean. People who so don't care go. about backlash. Now, don't now, care about now people. Yeah. Are, are, even though, and this is this is a young lady who sat here and had this conversation, and we came to a conclusion to see how we was talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about words, how you break down your words, and how you relay your messages. Like I was saying earlier, intelligence and strategy is how they continue to win. So why can't we have intelligence and strategy? We should be able to sit down and have a conversation like we had today. I and agree. I think that um, something that I definitely want to do is have conversations like these, but not just with myself and um, a community leader or someone of prominence, but some, but with all my peers, not just black peers. Be although I do think it's important, I think that is both important for us to speak amongst black kids and liberate black children because um, one of the problems in our community is that we don't see our strength, and I think that that's something that needs to change. But not only that, um, I'm not begging for nobody else to see our ch our our um our value but i do think it's important that some kids just don't they're know miseducated. they're and miseducated you know, and, and i think that's happens, the problem one percent of of the world they manipulate the white people too yeah so some of them may genuinely be miseducated yeah but you have to be very important very careful when allowing them into the conversation because you do not want to be led by someone else you have right. to remain a leader for your own struggle. Yeah. They can be a part of the conversation and they can become educated because it is uh, when you have Willie Lynch syndrome, mm -hmm. it goes outside of what that book actually said because that book was created all that time ago. Mm -hmm. Now, how would they translate it into today? Exactly. The white people that are part of Willie Lynch too. Yeah. The 1% still manipulates their mind to so they can do the dirty work against black people. Yeah, and I I want to say I know this might be a little 
I don't care if it's deemed problematic, but I, I genuinely believe that there's there should be in no case that a white person is leading a, a black march. Ne- never. And if you genuinely care about um our platform, then give us the platform. If you're, a, for example, a teacher out of school and you want to teach um black kids about black this and black that, then bring an actual black person there and teach them and you shouldn't be offended by that either you shouldn't because if you genuinely care this is what i mean when i said kudos to people who genuinely care kudos to people who will say out loud and be like yeah like i know my privilege and i'm gonna check my privilege and i'm gonna do all that i can to combat that how strange would it be if the asians had an issue and i showed up as the representative yeah that make no sense it's backwards and i don't want i i respect um white people who will um, go in and, and genuinely care. But I also want to add that don't sit here and try to pacify us or sit here on miscommunication because that's what I, I want to bring that back before. There were so many kids online becoming activists on things that they didn't know about. Think you If you just learned about Black Lives Matter during the summer, then you have no business spearheading anything because this is our lives at eight years old and younger. If their white peers have yeah an issue with white supremacy yeah they should be talking to their mothers yeah their grandparents yes. or their friends grandparents yes the the the, info, the the um the structures yes and those are the people that i like when i said earlier those are people that i respect that's what i'm talking about when i have friends who have parents who are genuinely like low-key evil and like they're literally nuts but my friends like don't care on twitter who put her family on blast shout out shout Capitol. out to kellyanne conway's daughter she's that's what i'm talking about right there yeah those type of people who don't care because that's people who really who really care about what's going on because you date a black person on oh, no what that started. girl did no because they they think that that's a badge yeah i'm not racist because i or that, because that I have does black not children. Mean that. Yeah. Yeah. Put your money where your actions is. Yeah, definitely. So I just want to thank you so much for hopping on um, the podcast. I I think this is such a productive conversation, and I really um, hope, like, again, everybody go and support and, and the foundation. Trini? 15. See, 15, and that's the best build I had for 2020, 2021 so far. Aww. Thank you so, so much. That was impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's I want to show um, growth within our black community. Yeah. That. In the, in the age gap, in the, in the generation gap, because I, there's so much things that I've learned um, and I've done research on that I would love to share on this platform, and I will, um, about how we perceive things and, and why we can't agree on things and why, but if we take the time to learn it and we learn why we are the way we are, so much will change. We wouldn't even be arguing. We wouldn't be like, cause we would know why we're reacting the way that we're reacting or why just certain things like that. And so, uh, to wrap this up again, I just want to say thank you so much. I want to tell everybody to go support, um, the, the legacy Eric Garner left behind foundation, very important. And the, um, other, um, programs that go along with it. Um, yes. Thank you so much, Queen Blizzy, for hopping yes, on our show. And thank you for having me. You guys, share this podcast. She has other episodes. Share whichever episode you like the best. Share the general platform link and f- hit follow. Yeah. Don't just listen to it yourself. Share it with other people. Yeah, um, and I just want to say I want everybody to go listen to Queen Blizzy's music. 
dope music and music that is socially conscious and about real stuff. And I think that's what music was made for. And and um, I will put her Apple, Apple Music and other um, title and all of the other platforms in the description box. And, um, you know, let everybody know what to look out for. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to give your social media to Oh, yes, to definitely. Um, Instagram, at Ty Blizzy, mm-hmm. T-Y-B-L-I-Z-Z-Y. And then um, I have a, a, a like page on um, Facebook, Queen Blizzy. Um, other than that, oh, you can subscribe to me on uh, YouTube. It's, it's Queen Blizzy once you type it in on there as well. Um... I do have TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm Queen Blizzy on there too. I just started TikTok. I Uh-oh. think I'm getting the hang of it. Okay, you know, I'm getting okay, like okay. hundreds of views now. Uh-oh. And then I like the other day I got seventy seven um comments. I was like, whoa, how did that you know how did I do that? That's the beauty you know? of TikTok. Your platform just skyrockets out of nowhere. So I'm new to that. Yeah. yeah. Trina probably knows about TikTok mm. more than me. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much um any platform you listen to your music on. You can go ahead and uh yeah I'll put that put all in the me. description below. Um, these kids are so loud, but again, yeah. thank you so much. Don't for, mind that's our for youth chapter in the back. That is the youth chapter <laughs> in the background. But um again, thank you so so much for coming. I am so blessed um that you were able to hop on. We've been wanting to do this for a minute since Kwanzaa, which we will discuss later on. Um. The importance of Kwanzaa, the history of Kwanzaa, because um, when I was younger, I thought Kwanzaa was here for centuries. It, it hasn't been. It's um, actually fairly new. It's something that you taught me. we don't, whatever we had years ago. We don't have anymore. We don't know what yeah. that is. Yeah. We don't have a record of that. Yeah. So, being the creative people that we are, mm-hmm. we created things to implement it. Yeah, I don't Kwanzaa. know if it would have been similar to that because we're in a different environment. So, yeah. you know, we would adapt. Yeah, definitely. And, um, but I do think that the principles of Kwanzaa is just nice, it's, it's dope, it's cultural. Yeah, me too. Year. So. Yeah, so again, thank you for coming. I want to thank the audience for listening. Um, You guys aren't just the audience. You are part of the conversation too. Yeah. So I want um everybody, if um you can, um when you're done listening to go on my Facebook page and drop a comment on, you know, what you think, things that you want me to discuss, um, et cetera. I'll do that on my Instagram as well. And um, I want you guys to have a wonderful um, Black History Month, a wonderful year if you're listening to this later. And thank you so much um, for hop- joining us. Yes. Yes. Peace. All right. Peace, guys.